Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker and you are listening to The Wildlife, a podcast about the natural world and how to protect it. This week's Behind the Sciences segment I'm very excited about is with Dr. Gilad Bino. He is passionate about conservation and science and seeks to address the ongoing biodiversity crisis by understanding the underlying processes that shape biodiversity at multiple spatial and temporal scales to inform and prioritize conservation management. He's also part of the Platypus Conservation Initiative and the Global Standard for Wetland Conservation. As you're probably already aware, uh, we sat down to talk with him about platypuses. And uh, we had a fairly lengthy conversation. It's about uh, two hours or so, um, and about a year ago. So I'm, I'm really excited to be getting this episode out there, uh, and this segment in particular, because he is just a, uh, a very down-to-earth, uh, likable guy. And um, as always, I think it's uh, important for you to have an opportunity to get to know the person, the human behind the science, behind uh, the animal, and all of the things that we, we talk about in the full episode. So without further ado... Here's Jalad Bino. Uh, hello, I'm. My name is Gilad Bino. I'm an ecologist, uh, conservation-minded uh, mm -hmm. scientist. Yeah, uh, sure. currently living in Australia. Sure. Uh, and I've been working and dedicating kind of my life towards, you know, ecology and conservation. Um, and I've been. I finished my PhD coming up on nine years now nice and i've been a kind of a full-time researcher since have you always been interested in science i remember i always i was always driven and focused on i was spending a lot of time outdoors i was growing up in israel um there's not much wilderness uh there but i was you know i think i was spending a lot of times outdoors and i loved you know animals and i remember when i was a kid i volunteered at the zoo um, and that was kind of a, quite a, uh, you know, a, a great, unique experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so I, I was, I kind of knew that I wanted to focus on something to do with animals mm -hmm. and I was becoming aware of, you know, certain issues around, you know, the extinction of species and mm -hmm. destruction of habitat and things like that. So I, I kind of slowly focused more that I realized like I wanted to be an ecologist and focused on conservation. But yeah, it was interesting. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't very academic uh, to start off with like high school. I don't think I, I was, I would consider myself a, a good student or anything <laughs> like that. It was in, I, I, I actually, I didn't, when I applied to uni to undergrad life sciences, mm -hmm. I didn't have the good enough grades to actually get accepted. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to enroll in earth sciences that had lower, you know, required lower quality qualifications. Mm -hmm. and then, but, but in uni, I kind of persevered and I think I really became very passionate. And I think that's uni was where I really taught myself how to learn, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How to actually, you know, become like, what's, what's the word? Studious, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Studious. Studious, yes. yeah. Thanks. Sorry about <laughs> English is not my native tongue. Like I know I, I like I might sound. I grew up anyway. Hebrew is like the thing. But so if I get stuck in words, oh, it's so okay. Feel, yeah. Me. Um, yeah. So, but but and in uni, I like it, that's it's like something clicked, um, mm -hmm. and I really became like a 
hardworking kind of thing and focused and pat once you like you do something that you're passionate about yeah uh, you kind of really yeah you put in the hours and you um, get better at it and i think in uni that's where like everything materialized more that you know just to, like also being exposed to science is really yeah i'm really passionate about science i love the you know the exploration of, yeah. of knowledge like that you know seeking out knowledge um and better understanding everything around them with yeah. you know its limitations but uh yeah. And so I think like that, that was, that's when I started. So I did undergrad. Yeah. And so I think before that I went and volunteered in Africa as well. That was like, that's when I oh, like, cool. it, that was, also, yeah, I did some, it was interesting. It was kind of uh, looking at uh, volunteered for this guy who was doing his PhD in Botswana and I volunteered. Um, he was looking at, there was a, an issue of like wildlife conflict in Botswana where lions were predating on, on, on cattle. Oh. You know, so the the local population there, the native, you know, the communities yeah. would kill the lions, and so the the population there was really uh, declining. Mm -hmm. And they don't they don't fence any of the national parks there or anything like that. So it was about you know studying them and increasing awareness in the community as well. So that that was fascinating. So. Yeah, what a what a cool first uh, first introduction to <laughs> that that I mean that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean it's it, I guess it's the way i got into it was also so uh, like opportunistic like i didn't like i didn't set up anything up i just kind of packed my bags and went to africa and i said all right i'll try and find something to do and i ended up being somewhere in this little town in a little pub and you know coincidentally this person was there you know it's kind of at the right time at the right moment and we started having a conversation so sometimes like the you know life is so uh a lot of chance and yeah. how we uh yeah, how we go about our lives yes it is um yeah so i guess to answer your question have i always been interested in science i think uh i have been interested and passionate about science for um it's been almost 20 years now i guess mm -hmm. yeah so i did undergrad and then i did masters um and then i so that was in israel mm -hmm. and then i moved to australia and i did my phd here and sure. then rolled into kind of a like a post postdoc yeah, I I uh, I feel like some of what you're saying is, is very similar to my own situation. Where uh, high school, um, <laughs> I I can't I can't say with any honesty that I took it seriously, and um, it's that's funny because I'm now a high school teacher, and uh, you yeah. know I get frustrated with my students sometimes, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I did the same thing. I I can't even be mad about it. Um, and then when I got to college, it was very much, you know, as I started to be exposed to science and uh, getting deeper into my, my science programs that that I, I really figured out what worked for me and figured out how to learn and um, just really dedicated all of my time to, you know, to, uh, to, to learning and to figuring things out and to just working really hard and, uh, you know, just, the, yeah. Be, becoming very studious all of a sudden um and yeah, i, I do yeah. think it has a lot to do with you know when you find something you're passionate about you know that's that's what it takes i mean i, I remember like you know back in the good old days where actually libraries had a function but uh, mm -hmm. you know it's so i i love that like you know you you're doing a project on something and you're researching something and you go yeah. through the shelves and it's like it's a bit of uh like a you know like a murder mystery or something yeah. trying to Ace and you're trying to dig in yeah yeah um, yeah it, it very much is like solving a mystery and stuff it, it's it's fun it's fun yeah. 
When was your, um, well, I mean, what would you say was your first real connection to nature that you remember? Good one. So growing up in Israel, it's like, I was in, I grew up in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. It's, um, so it was right on, like, it's quite a, quite really sharp environmental gradients there. Mm -hmm. So in Jerusalem, it's like you're right on the kind of the border between, um, like a Mediterranean ecotone and then mm -hmm. a desert. So I, so, that, so like the, the, like I remember, you know, I guess my first memories is catching lizards, skinks. Oh, fun. Yeah. Going <laughs> down to the, uh, the, the valley and turning rocks and looking for skinks and scorpions and stuff like that. Um, that, that would probably have, yeah. But then it's, it's interesting because you know how like you, when you grow up somewhere, like all the sights and sounds and smells like they come yeah like hardwired into your yeah psyche mm -hmm. um and um so there are certain sounds so when i moved to australia like everything was relatively foreign mm -hmm. in a sense like it was a different environment different sounds so nature and and australia has this obviously like everything's <laughs> everything's out to get you here like it's you know everything's poisonous and like it's yeah yeah you got to watch out um it's very humbling i like that like that that notion that feeling that you're you know you're when you go into the wilderness you kind of a bit of a like a you know a guest yeah you're not really like you know you don't own the place kind of thing <laughs> um but it was interesting because like all the, so I, you know, so like in Israel, the, the, the sparrows and the doves and all that, like kind of thing, like you have the, those sound, sounds that resonate within you. Yeah. Um, and in Australia, it took a while. Um, but yeah, to get comfortable and familiarized with uh, the Australian environment. Yeah, Australia yeah, so is definitely an interesting, I, I, I have not been, and it's, it's on the very, very, very top of my list. And, uh, um, my wife not so much because you know she sees things and is like no i have no interest in going and the the latest thing was that uh, story about the family who was camping and the uh the robber crabs they had like 55 robber crabs show up at their campsite while they were eating and in the, the pictures of it she's just like nope i, <laughs> <laughs> I don't i'm not sure i know that story what so what they started eating they, their food or yeah yeah they um um, it's, it's kind of an interesting site cause it's, you know, nighttime and it's this family who's camping and they have the, you know, a campfire set up and they're eating. And in these pictures, it's just like, you know, 55, you know, baseball glove size crabs, um, you know, crawling around the campsite and getting into food and, <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, I mean here it's crazy. Even the ants are out to get you. Like there's like these, um, jumping green tree ants Ooh. or something and they huh. go you you're hiking and they'll start like they'll start very aggressively they'll start jumping towards you and a bite is painful like it's you get this like searing burning pain for <laughs> like for 10 15 minutes wow and then it is like for another three four days afterwards wow so yeah even the, even the ants are yeah and then you get you know you get the ticks and you get the snakes and the spiders yeah. and like it's not yeah um i remember like every time whenever we if we go new zealand i love new zealand so you go to new zealand and, and you know it's like oh like such a respite from like you can just lie down wherever you want like the worst thing that could happen is a butterfly will kind of kiss you i guess <laughs> you know that 
So it is, uh, yeah, Australia is very, quite an interesting uh, continent. Yeah, yeah. A, a unique evolution, obviously, over the, yeah. What is your, um, what's your favorite non-science thing to do, hobby? That's quite easy, to be honest. I'm board games, tabletop games. Mm, sure. I know. I, I, yeah, very passionate about them. Uh, they've really developed um, in the past, I don't know, maybe 10 years or they so. They have. <laughs> That's, it's, yeah. I don't know. Are you, you, you familiar with any of like the, you know, I'm talking about like the serious, deep thinking kind of board games and all of those kind of genres? Or Some, some. I, I have a friend who's very, very, um, I, I don't know if there's a board game that they don't have. Uh, yeah and, yeah one of those i yeah it's such a yeah and and i always intend to you know get really invested in and and in playing one and exploring one and then uh it most of the time doesn't end up working out because of scheduling and things like that but mm. they've got everything and um might as well own a uh, board game shop <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I always I, that's that's kind of my fallback. I reckon if I don't, uh, you know, if academia doesn't, for some reason, I decide to get off the the wagon. <laughs> maybe yeah, a board game shop or something. Having like a maybe a board game lounge or something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm. When um, did... Yeah. So I definitely like uh, board games. Like, and they're really interesting. Like the mechanics. Yeah. Um, you know, like you've got the different uh, worker placements versus mm-hmm. like deck building and. Yeah. intuition like they really tap into different themes and styles and the yeah really yeah like good yeah I, I feel like they're uh, i feel like they're kind of underrated you know everyone wants to go for video games and things and it's like you know if you want you want some thinking and challenge and stuff you know uh some of the more traditional types of types of gameplay i guess um can, yeah just sitting kind of around the table that. and having yeah. yeah, I tried. There are quite a there are quite a few online platforms for mm-hmm. board games, really good emulators kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't like it's not doesn't you know nothing quite beats the sitting down and actually feeling and seeing the board and the pieces and all that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's fun. kind of like reading a book. Um, I have mm. a really hard time reading like a digital book. I have to I have to have like the book in my hand. Um, otherwise I just, I don't know. I just get lost and I can't, I can't yeah. keep track of the words. And uh, I think they, they, they did a study about like the retention of, of information is much better when you're actually physically holding a piece of paper as opposed to screen. That's interesting. Um, I also like Dungeons and Dragons role playing. That's good fun. Have you ever done those? I haven't, I haven't yet. And I've just been kind of waiting for the invite. <laughs> 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 I, I, yeah, I have some yeah. friends who, who good... do it and my brother just started getting into it who is a co-host um and so i'm kind of you know when he gets back from his trip i'm hoping that we can uh we can sit down he can show me the ropes a little bit but that'd be cool <laughs> yeah it's good fun role playing is great and i think i like i've also interesting a few i came across a few people who are doing like a phd on you know the values of uh, role playing, and like it's it's quite a tool in therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Role playing now they're becoming aware of you know like when you role play and it you can it allows you to obviously for people you know to create scenarios that they you know confront you with you know certain issues and moral dilemmas and yeah 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 really you know what's funny is yeah, I, I grew up playing one but it was one that my dad wrote. 
he he wrote a wow. whole role playing game and um, had kind of intended to publish it and then he just never did. But it's I mean it's good. It's like it's really really interesting and fun. It's kind of set in the future and um, uh, and so that was you know like that's my big introduction to it but it's you know if i talk to people about it they have no idea what i'm talking about because <laughs> wow that's amazing you know, so, so you, you, you remember so you, he used to run games for you guys like yeah. you would yeah yeah and yeah, it nice. was kind of you know while he was you know writing things and putting it together he'd be like all right let's try this and and see how this goes wow. and, you know so we're kind of the guinea pigs of it i guess but <laughs> but it was still fun it was good fun um that's a good number yeah yeah Let's see. Uh, when when did you get into your current field of study? Is you know is this something that you've you know adipuses? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. when I got to Australia, like pre PhD, all my research was focused on like terrestrial sure birds, and I did uh, my masters was like foxes and jackals in Israel, and um, but then Australia here it, again, you know, kind of I guess it really you know talking about the coincidences and. Um, so I did my PhD and then my kind of co-supervisor, he's really into freshwater conservation, mm-hmm. wetlands and water birds and things like that. And then when he, he offered me a postdoc, so that kind of, I started working on freshwater ecology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it's all about, you know, conservation and yeah, monitoring environmental change and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so so over time, in 2000, and I guess 14, 15, we started having conversations with um, various, not, there aren't that many, um, so um, platypus researchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about the, how, the, the lack of knowledge mm-hmm. as, uh, with regards to how the species as a whole is faring and in terms of you know tracking populations over time and you know the impacts of river regulation and land clearing and things like that no no one knew anything so like there's only if you there are only maybe two like i guess we can chat about it again come back later but uh there there were there are only maybe two long-term monitoring studies of platypuses oh, in wow. Australia and then that, that's only and they're relatively localized one is like in the peri-urban environment in Melbourne another one is just another river somewhere else and so like it doesn't give you at a at a across the, the entire extent of the, of a species yeah and you yeah. know we're talking about like continental scale so there, there wasn't hardly any information wow um, that's that's surprising about, yeah, you'd, you'd think, yeah, exactly. You'd think like such an iconic species, but it comes back, like, yeah, I, we'll, we'll dive, I guess, straight into that. But um, so, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, everyone mm. assumed that platypuses were doing like, yeah, okay, they're in the rivers and because they're nocturnal. So, mm-hmm. you know, the best time to see them if you're, you know, without is like dusk or dawn. You have to you have to put in the effort. You have to go down to the kind of the river or the creek and and, and wait there for you know. So so it's they're really they don't they don't get observed that often. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put in um, uh, like a big grant uh, for government funding. So it was kind of a, they have this scheme here. It's like a linkage project where you 
partner up with uh, industry or NGOs or anyone, and they, they give you, like, for every dollar that they give, bring to the table, the government will give you, it's like one to three. So oh. it's, a, it's, a, it's a great mechanism for leveraging uh, real world needs in a sense. You know, there are people out there that need something mm-hmm. um, and they're willing to put in, you know, a few, you know, a few dollars in a sense. And, um, and so, the, so the grant gets assessed and then the government can like top it up. Um, yeah. So we put in for one of those. Um, yeah, I don't know for, you know, like success rates generally, the grants, uh, there's such a kind of hidden miss. But um, so, you know, chances are about 30% for these grants. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So again, you know, coming back to like, it's all a matter of like the, the, the chance, the random chance. So you throw your dice and yeah, so we yeah. got this grant. Um, nice. and, 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 and that got me working on the, on the platypus. So um so the idea was, all right, let's, you know, we've got money now for three years. And so what are we going to focus on? And so we, we, we set out to um, survey. We did like three intensive survey years focusing on different river catchments across, yeah, I would say across Australia, but it's, you know, it's a continent. But uh, yeah. so we kind of looked at, we uh, picked, uh, three years look and we focused on on trying to in New South Wales and Victoria trying to look at um, surveying platypuses so first of all just to see how they're doing in, in various rivers but also focusing on the impact of large dams and river regulations so the you know large dams uh, obviously disrupt the natural flow regime of rivers you know so they yeah. you know stop, stop water and take it out and they pump it somewhere else and um, and the timing of water is, can, be, can be changed and there's water, like uh, temperature pollution, you know, so mm, it becomes yeah. cold water. So there are a whole range of different issues with them. So we were looking at the impact of, potential impact of um, river regulation on, on platypuses. Um, so the survey was like kind of designed and we did like above and below dam. Oh, sure. Yeah. That. So we did surveying populations above a dam, below a dam, and then kind of an adjacent free-flowing river to give us, because there are obviously, you know, across the species range, there are differences in yeah. habitat quality and resources. And so, you know, populations might, you know, so you want to, you know, when you're doing like a bit of a, you know, scientific study, you need to, um, I guess the design needs to allow you to test for effects. So yeah, you have to like a control and you have an impact. And so that was the design. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, so we did all that um, for three years. That was really intensive. Like the first year I was like for about a six months, I was doing week on week off. Wow. So that was really, that, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah, that was my, my third, my daughter was born just at that, that time. So it was really, it was a bit intense, but it, it was very, um, at some point I was doing week there, like a week in the field, fully immersive. And then coming back home, like you kind of don't really know where you are at any given moment. It's a bit weird. Um, yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Um, um, and then, but, but that was amazing. So, but spending so many hours out. At, so all the work is at night. So I'll yeah. give you, I guess, um, a bit of a description. Stop me if I'm sure. chatting away. But uh, 
So the field work is, is all at night. So I'll give you like a routine of platypus field work. So yeah. you go, say you're, you wake up at about maybe 10, 11 a.m. Uh, yeah. You get the gear ready, you sort it out, uh, you know, you pack it up um, and you load it into the car, you head out, you find a site by about maybe 3, 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. and then you start setting the nets. Um, so if it's really, if, it, if, if you're surveying in deep waters, like deep pools, mm -hmm. so you, you put, you know what a, like a mesh net is? Like yes. Pike net? Yep. Yeah. So you, so you stretch one out like parallel to the bank, not, not, not. Oh, out. okay. Yeah. So you, cause you don't want any snags. You don't want any like floating debris or anything, or even just random fish going up and down the, the river. You try to minimize that. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you run it parallel to the bank and then platypuses in the pool when they forage. So they dive from side to side kind of thing. And as they're diving, they get caught in the net and then they surface. Um, and then we, you go out with a, like a little tinny. Do you call mm -hmm. that in the, in the US tinny? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you go out with a tinny, take the platypus out. Um, and take it back and process it. Um, and if not, then I guess you do fike nets. So these are like um, two wings with cones and you put them in shallow streams. Oh, okay. And they have these, like you have these chambers. And yeah. So, so you're putting them in pairs, one facing up and one facing down. And then, you know, if a platypus is kind of moving along the creek, it goes through these chambers and get, gets caught in there. And then so you check these nets um you know every two three hours yeah so usually i guess you'd work uh, almost throughout the night and then you you know finish you process you get back maybe at 6 a.m sleep and then the cycle continues wow. um yeah so it's really very uh, intensive um and it's all at night and i think you really have to be uh, a nocturnal person yeah yeah i, I would think <laughs> So uh, something else that we do is uh, we have a book club. And um, right. so we, we always ask our guests uh, if they have any book recommendations, whether specifically wow. related to, you know, uh, your, your study area or science or nature or something else. Uh, and we like to share that with folks. So um, if you... I'm going to underwhelm everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any recommendations, um, you know, sometimes people just have, you know, a field guide uh, that, that they want people to check out. So, uh, yeah. Um, really? Okay. Interesting. Um, I don't, I like, cause I like all my time. I like, I spend so much time reading academic literature. I just like at some point, like, you know, in, in my off time, I just go escapism and I dive into, yeah. it. I like, I like science fiction and fantasy yes. and mm -hmm. things like that. That's, that's my go-to, mm -hmm. uh, immerse myself. So I can give you some recommendations on kind of those and, um, but I, I guess in terms of popular science, uh, it's quite—it's a classic. I love uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel, mm -hmm. um, Jared Diamond, and then he came out with another one called Collapse. Oh, I and didn't that, even know that. Yeah, so he, he's the second book is like he—you uh, know—it's—it's it's not quite as polished, I guess, as the Guns, Germs, and Steel is just amazing. Um, you know, uh, but but collapse. He, he looks at um, collapses of different civilizations, mm. um, and talking about uh, the reasons behind and the how 
you know, we have this feeling like we're so invincible um, and our assumption about the, the, the world around us. And again, again, shifting baselines and, you know, our assumption that what was like re recent history is going to always continue in terms of yeah. climate and things like that. And, and, and tipping points of uh, like he talks about the Easter Island and mm -hmm. how the people there kind of, you know, I won't ruin the book, but uh, for the <laughs> readers, but, but yeah, so, so very, very insightful. I really like that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, my kids are just finishing off a uh, watership down. They really like that. You know oh that yeah. That's a good, I, that was forever ago. Um, yeah. That, that I, that I read that one, but that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. so they're really, oh, like they're talking about, they're coming and telling me about what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah, I think that, I think that uh, from the list that I'm looking at, I think it kind of checks off uh, the list. So, so thank you so much um, for the, for the time. I know it's kind of, you know, getting late on your end. Um, and I'm just getting started with the day on my end. So, <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I'm quite an external person, so I've got a few more hours <laughs> ahead of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, thank you a lot. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the full-length episode about platypuses coming out later this week. I'm Devin Boker. Peace out, Rainbow Trout.